Hello everyone and welcome back to the Just Chatting podcast. I'm reporting live from London and while speaking to Australia, um, I'm joined by the absolutely incredibly talented marketing guru, if you will. Will we call him Mar- call you marketing guru? We will. It is the incredible Alex Mills. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. This Well, I would say this morning for me, but this evening for you. <laughs> you are far too kind. Thank you so much for having me on. You are so, so welcome. I feel like we were just like catching up as if we were like old friends just prior to hitting a record there as well. So I am really excited, guys, to have this conversation with Alex. So we were going to talk all things, I suppose, in regards to, I suppose, like moving to Australia. Um, Because again, this will probably hit home for me as well, having lived in Australia for nearly two years. Um, But then also talking about all things social media, marketing in general as well. So Alex, let's kind of reel it back a few years. Let's talk about, I suppose, like, while you were here in the UK, and I suppose, what made you decide to move to Australia? Yeah, it's a few, it's a few things. There's a bit of a, a bit of a journey of how I got there because I started off in the music industry, funnily enough. Um, mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I was a kid playing in punk rock and emo bands as a as a teenager. And all I really cared about was working in music once I finished university and everything like that. And so I was working in music downloads, um, you know, like back in the day when you'd buy like the Bass Hunter single on your on your mobile for like 99p. I was basically like, I was I was doing digital marketing before I even knew what it is. Cause at the time I was just like, oh, I'm doing music. I'm doing playlisting stuff. Um, and so I'd been doing that for quite a few years um, in various guises, managing music streaming services for very large tech companies. Um, and then ended up actually going to HMV for a little while and doing a lot of digital marketing for them, um, both in terms of marketing their own online download store and also enhancing the in-store experience for them via QR codes, which you know now feels like, oh, everyone does QR, but this is like 2014 or something like that. But mm-hmm. I felt that music, um, I was playing in a band as well, um, but I'd I'd started to get more into wider marketing around that time because I wanted to future proof my resume a little bit because in the music industry, it's quite, you know, you go from one company to the next and I don't want to say there's a bit of a glass ceiling, but I would say that it it's hard for you to do a career change if you, if, if you get made redundant or anything like that, you know? So as I started getting more into wider content marketing um, and digital marketing, I was doing a postgraduate diploma from the Digital Marketing Institute actually, which I think is an Irish organization. Um, And I took another marketing role and really enjoyed the experience, but felt that my creativity was stifled. And so by this point, I was reaching my late 20s. The band had finished by this point, And I was like, OK, I'm now stuck in the London rap race a little bit. My creative kind of output's gone. I'm no longer in a band. I'm no longer in the music industry. I'm in this more corporate marketing role, which is really good. But it's not really giving me that. It's not satisfying that creative itch I have. And I had a few friends that were out in Australia at the time, I suppose, on a bit of a, a you know sabbatical and I just thought to myself, you know what? Now's the time for a bit of a, a bit of, I don't want to call it a reset. Just let's take a risk. I'd started getting into the quote unquote personal development world as well and listening to a lot of the podcasts and just immersing myself in that world. And it felt like a good opportunity to do it. And my friend was just saying, well, number one, you're, you're British and you've got a marketing experience. So people are going to love you. 
Um, and then the other thing was, I see, it was just like, if, if the worst case scenario, just work at a bar, learn to surf, spend six months to a year out here and then go home. And that's when I was like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. So I came out to Australia. And so I regarded it as almost like a little bit of a creative project for me. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of blogging at the time. I was doing a lot of networking and just seeing if I could find my way in a more creative field and pretty quickly that's what happened I ended up getting into creative agencies which I was always interested in doing in London at the time but I felt that I'd gone too far down the in-house road that it was going to be difficult for me to go into an agency because I didn't have the direct experience and with with Australia I suppose at the time you were quite lucrative if you had that London marketing experience it's different now but at the time I think you know, if you worked in London or New York, it was a really good thing to have in your resume. And so pretty quickly, a lot of great opportunities came. And because I had a working holiday visa, there wasn't really much of a risk in anyone taking me on. So started mm. in agency world and seven years later, here I am. So I presume you have PR? No, you probably yeah. residence or probably getting close to residency now, if anything. Yeah, no, I'm a permanent resident. Um, citizenship applications in is in is being lodged, so it should be there pretty soon. So it's amazing because, like that, you as you said, it wasn't even a recess. You did take a risk, being like, okay, and like as you said, you you could spend six months to a year out there as well. And like for a lot of people, you book your one way ticket and kind of like and kind of ask yourself, okay, look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You come home. It's there's nothing wrong with it. At least you've tried. But I think like, did you ever predict that you'd be sitting there? like in your apartment in Sydney and think oh god like this is this actually happened to me have you ever like really sat and reflect on it that like you took that one risk and how your life has changed I suppose the thing is like let, let's let's be fair whilst it is a long way and it's a different country and there is a different culture mm-hmm. you're going to another western english-speaking country so it's not exactly like the craziest risk in the world there are a lot of similarities um it's a lot easier to get to than the United States or somewhere like that but it, you know like it would be much more of a um I suppose a challenge if I was moving to a non-English speaking country and that sort of thing so um the thing I, I suppose the thing that I found pretty within a year or a year and a half or so of me being in Australia it wasn't so much that oh my God, like I'm here in another country, but it was more, look how much my career has accelerated in that time. Because within within like three or four months, I was, you know, I'd got a quick short-term role at a big tech company, which was just a great way to get myself on the market so that people could see I wasn't a backpacker just out on a bit of a jolly. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just wanted, you know, employers to know that that was, I was, I was here for career progression um, first and foremost. And then I landed landed a role, and on my second day, my boss was like, um, this is after the tech company, the agency role, and the second day, my boss was like, oh, yeah, so you're going to be going to Rio for the Olympics as well. And so it was like, what? Um, and so, yeah, basically within like a year, two years, I think I was reflecting, like chatting to a mate I'd not spoke to eight, ages ago, and the thing I said to him was, even if I go home tomorrow um, because – I get homesick or whatever the main thing that coming out to Australia has given me is is the career growth it's giving me the exposure to brands um exposure to the agencies I've worked for that I don't think I would have got had I stayed in the UK just through not through it just a domino effect of things happening and things working out that way 
Yeah, and I think, like, I suppose having been a backpacker myself, you are perceived in such a way that you're kind of like, that you're you're here for short term and it is very very hard and I do actually know it's still hard in that way now currently in Australia because I do know people who are on working working holidays out there and they're kind of you're kind of stereotyped you're you kind of again have that assumption placed on you and be like oh well you're a backpacker you're only here for a short time um mm-hmm. so we're not going to give you that fulfillment so I know how hard it is genuinely to break through that barrier like as, as you said you have to show up and like get you know involved in that tech company to show how serious you are about your career progression but something that I've noticed as you're talking about this you are so career driven like you are it seems like it's a big thing for you as well which I know we're going to obviously talk about in regards to obviously delving into a bit of like social media marketing and stuff but have you always been this driven when it comes to your career has this always been something that you're kind of like I suppose like has that I suppose like driven um component of you always just kind of been there when it comes to your career has that kind of stemmed from maybe like your parents or you know where's that kind of come from I think it's come from music to be honest um I think that I was always very driven with the bands I was in so I was in a I was in a hardcore punk band and then a pop punk band and both of them kind of there was always you know I, I kind of took on the management responsibility for a lot of that which um you know gave me a lot of experience there and I suppose once that ended there must I kind of just had to transfer that drive to something so you know in my the early stages of my career my job was just my job um I enjoyed it but it was a way to pay the bills and I put more of my effort into the music and I think with my career thank you very much for that for for saying that is really kind of you but I think a, what a lot of what I do in in marketing what drives me is I look at the projects and the work I do almost like songs I've written. So I like what drives me is being able to look back on campaigns and client work almost like it is a song or an album. That seems to be, I don't know why, that's just the way my brain is wired. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think that's it. Like it's a, it's some weird blend of, creative kind of drive that I've transferred into my professional life seems to be the way the way I kind of operate I guess no it's it's definitely very interesting and again from a fellow marketer I kind of do get the whole like creative thing as well and like that's really like um can you mention blogging earlier that that's how initially like I started off getting in interested remotely into marketing because that was back in like 20 13 when I started my blog um so like that it just like it's like that you treat everything kind of like a a start to a finish and I think that's probably why a lot of people in terms of like marketing are quite like I would say hopefully organized as well but like are driven because like you are driven because there's so many different like elements involved um it's like when you're perhaps creating a song it's not just like you know there's like the opposite the words the melody the actual production I don't like I don't, I don't understand much about music production but I do understand there's different components as well as it's like when you're creating a campaign like again in marketing there's like it's not just like you know even now when it comes to like a digital marketing campaign there's like so much involved it's not just you post you know an image on Instagram and hope for the best and you're going to get loads of sales it's like there's so much work involved now but something yeah. I really want to talk about because I think some fellow marketers might be able to relate to it as well as well as like is going from because like again you worked with a lot of like in-house brands or like you were an in-house marketer primarily for obviously your jobs in um here in the UK but also in Australia as well and as you mentioned you kind of like you know moved into agency as well so what was that obviously like a difficult move like was this that was kind of like your vision to kind of this was get more experience in an agency like what made you kind of move from like an in-house marketer to an agency 
Well, I think I think the main thing was when I when I was working in house, every time I'd go and meet the agencies, I'd always be like, oh, it looks so cool there. Like I am probably at the time I was shielded a little bit from some of the aspects of agency life that we all probably have complaints about. But at the time I was like, oh, agency, like hammocks in the office, dogs, all these kind of like cool perks and stuff. But no, like you are fundamentally in a much more creative, stimulating environment in agencies, whether you're at a PR agency, whether you're at a media agency, whether you're at a creative agency, there is more of that stimulation. So I think it was a mixture of a, there was a desire to go into agency world because I just felt that that could be a good balance of that broader marketing experience with that creative drive I have. Mm-hmm. I think in Australia fundamentally, and probably since, you know, since I went, it has been a little bit more difficult for international talent to get sponsorship, but agencies are much more willing to do that. And also agency environments are they're a little bit more social. So if you are a migrant, then it you are going to have fundamentally, you know, initially a better experience because there is more other people like you. So you're able to build up more of a social circle compared to in-house where they'll still have great cultures and stuff. But I think there is definitely more of a boundary between work and professional life you're getting less of that friday drinks or anything like that you know agencies you'll have people that end up becoming best mates and hang out together outside of work so yeah i kind of forgotten the question i've got put a bit of a ramble but i think there was always there was always an intention to try agency side i don't know whether there was a conscious thing of i now want to you know run an agency or that is the end goal it was just, I want to get some roles in agencies under my belt. And I think that's been the best thing that's happened to my career. Um, and I'd always say to anyone, you know, a- a- agency roles, you know, it is, you know, there is, it's it's harder work at times, you know, there are longer hours. Um, you know, I don't want to say the stereotype of in-house is true. You know, you go in and you, um, you, you it's not like you're clocking off at five o'clock every day and then just palming the problems over to the agency. I've had clients emailing me at 9 p.m. because they're so busy managing stakeholders and doing meeting after meeting that the only time they get to do emails is at the end of the day. So it's definitely a bit of a falsehood that in-house is cushy, but I would say that agency roles have, have the longer hours, have the... um. But, you know, you also get a lot more out of it. Yeah, well, I suppose like that like that with an in-house brand, you're obviously just working solely with one company and putting your time and devotion into that. Whereas like with agencies, again, depending on like if it's like, again, how the agency is kind of like set up, like, you know, you could be working with various lifestyle brands or you work with three or four different, like completely different niches, essentially. So you are going to get maybe like a lot more variety. So I suppose it does depend on what that person wants as well. But I suppose like if someone was going to come out of like, you know, school or uni, if you want to call it, I suppose like we, in Ireland we say college, but you know, if you were to come out of like and get your kind of like degree um, nowadays, like like would you, rec- how would you kind of like recommend someone either choosing between like in-house or agency for their first maybe like career, um, I suppose, step, if you will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I realise I didn't actually fully answer your last question because you asked if I found it hard to adapt to agency life. But I'd say, like, it, it took a little while because there were just certain little things I hadn't experienced before, like timesheets and stuff like that. But um, I think, you know, thankfully I had a brilliant manager um, who understood. He was like, look, you've got broad marketing experience by this stage in your career. You don't necessarily have the full experience of, like, the dark arts of agency life, but guided me through it so you know it took 
it's it wasn't like just going straight from one role to the next there was an adjustment period but i got there in the end in terms of new graduates i, I i'd honestly say i think that my recommendation is go to an agency as soon as you can i think that if you are young and hungry agency will just number one there'll be more people like you i find that within house roles there are apart from in the graduate scheme you might not find as many people around your age range in a lot of the in-house companies maybe not all of them but that's just in my experience i think that you will fundamentally be a better marketer if you work at an agency so um by getting to an agency sooner than later you're getting that experience in early i almost regard it as a bit like an apprenticeship almost you're getting exposure to really really bright minds you're instantly able to get hopefully a wide range of brands on your portfolio um and there'll be the social aspect that will be really good especially if you're moving to a new city um so that would be my that would be my recommendation there's absolutely nothing wrong with starting off in-house you know you get you you might start off in your career and if you get an opportunity at a really great brand then having that on your resume is really good but i'd say to whenever i've had a client i can tell who's been at an agency and who hasn't and the clients that have been at agencies are generally easier to work with they understand how processes work um and they know how to get the most out of their agencies so that that would be my advice. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, because like that, I I like I remember when I first came out of like college, I just I was literally just like, who who's gonna take me? Anyone, anyone? And literally, like I was in house for for most of my my marketing career, and then I think like my last job in um Australia was actually fun enough with an agency. Um, where like that is literally as you said, like if everything I agree with because I, I was in an agency, the other people I was actually working with were um from uh, one girl was from South Africa another girl was from England so like they were both sponsored so again like like that in terms of the social aspect still keep in touch with them everything and I suppose like what's quite quite interesting as well about agencies as well is that like like as you mentioned with the whole like social aspect with it as well a lot of people from again now I don't know whether this is because I'm on you know I'm just paying a little more attention on LinkedIn and particularly with TikTok as well as what I'm seeing is that like a lot of the agencies have so much young people. Now, when I mean young people, I'm talking like girls or, you know, anyone um of any gender in like their early 20s. And I suppose, like, do you feel like marketing is a glamorized career? Hmm, that's a good question. Because um, it's something that I have noticed, particularly I, starting back when I first got into marketing, that was 20, if you want to start, say when I started blogging, that was like obviously 2013. And obviously marketing has vastly changed, even from when you were here, obviously in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously like again when you look at like these like there's like a million and one different agencies in london alone and a lot of them have these like young you know like very much aspiring social media managers and executives and it's fantastic to see this this young talent come through but i don't know if it's seen as this like glamorous like career profession and that's why a lot of people are going for it i don't know if it's because i'm so in marketing and i'm everyone i follow yeah. is in that space but i don't know whether you agree or have even thought about that i mean i guess for me the, the stuff that i see most glamorized um is that kind of C ceo hustle entrepreneur culture and i suppose marketing is part of that right because you could be you could be that business owner and then you're on tiktok do, doing the hustle hustle sharing you know you you fundamentally I mean to be fair I guess I'm kind of doing it I'm calling myself a business owner so I'm just a freelancer really but 
I think I think there's a few things. I think marketing probably is glamorized, but like it's you know you how how does one get into marketing? Do they sit there and think I love the process of marketing, like and creating adverts? It could be that they love filmmaking, and so they love getting behind the camera. And then they realize that a way to make money, you know, you could be making short films or you could make branded content. You could be working as a marketer for a sports brand. It might not be your love of marketing that got you there. It could be your love of sport that got you there. My 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 way into marketing, I didn't sit there when I was younger and think I want to be a marketer. I loved music and I got into music marketing. So I think there's probably that element of people's passion points and, ho and hobbies leading into marketing. There probably is the fact that now everyone is using social media when when i started out social media wasn't as much of a marketing tool it was a thing people used but it wasn't necessarily a marketing tool but now it is a marketing tool so people who love creating on social media they're offered the opportunity to have a job working in social media obviously that's a very 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 appealing appealing job for them so i think it probably is glamorized i think it is also just an appealing appealing job for a lot of the population based on what interests and motivates them and i think it's probably where like i suppose the like, user generation content is kind of like coming from like people now just really it, are supposed to be, like influencing as well like how like that's obviously escalated over the last whatever 10 years like what started mm. as like you know someone might be a blogger but then it's now turned into like an influencer and now you're called a content creator and it's like obviously it's like marketing in general even just like social media if you were to really single out marketing like social media is like vastly changed because like again when I was like scrolling through your LinkedIn I was like okay what's like the earliest career like or first job that she, that Alex has in his profile and literally it was like some like record like company or something but what I read in the bio was that like you mentioned MySpace and I was like oh my god <laughs> oh, who, who yeah. remembers MySpace like I remember yes. it like oh my uh, god but like yeah now no, just making me think like updating a day to remember's tour dates on their myspace page and stuff like that oh yeah yeah no if you were to, if you were to see my old myspace pictures with the emo hair and everything um that's a whole other a whole other subject of discussion oh we all went through that phase like i went through that phase when i was like 16 17 so it's all it's all okay i can, t I can totally understand but um but even like seeing myspace as well i was like wow that's really about the years because obviously like because again, obviously social media started as social. It was a social aspect as well. It was by no means the money-driven like world that it is now. I feel it is very money-driven. I don't know whether you feel that as well. Literally today, um, literally today, Meta have announced that, you know how in Twitter you pay for verification? Hot oh, off the press. Like, literally today, Meta, yeah. So Meta is now, it's rolling out in Australia and New Zealand first, but Meta is going to make creators pay for verification. So, yeah, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. But it is like, the one of the things I've loved over the last, you know, particularly over the last five years, you know, we've always had creators on, you know, whether it was Viners 10 years ago, YouTubers around 10 to 12 years ago, you know, there's always been content creators on social media, but I do think that it's become much more of a level playing field. You know, you've still got your colossal influencers, your YouTubers and that sort of thing. But I just love the fact that there's so many of these little niches and, 
It's funny because, uh, and I was chatting to a friend about this t um, when I went, last went back to the UK, because, you know, we used to go onto music message boards and just chat on like online forums. I'm sure everyone's done done it in various guises. And yeah. that was just the early stages of social media as well. Like at the time I was thinking, that's kind of just like what Reddit or Discord is now. But I didn't even think, oh, that was social media then. Because we always were a little bit embarrassed about it, thinking, uh, you know, for me, I was always like, this is, this is useful because this is how I'm forming my bands and how I'm booking tour dates and how I'm getting more knowledge of music, which is how it got me started in my career. But yeah, it's just, it's just nuts. But I just, I love the way that, anyone can become a creator now and the, the the playing field has just completely been leveled you don't need expensive camera equipment to create great content you just need you know ideas and bags of personality yeah it's, it's but i think something i always love seeing about people is that like you are your own usp you know everyone tries to like jump on the trends and you know get get the latest products and like that get the latest camera what's the best ring light to get all the kind of jazz but i'm like you are your usp people are going to buy into you with whatever yeah. you're selling so i think it's just really trying to hone in on that like unique side as well but yeah like I, what i love is that like and i do agree like there's there's a niche for everything and i think like something i've which i don't know if i agree with because i think I, was, I don't know whether i've seen it on linkedin over the weekend or seen on another platform account which i can't remember which but it was it wasn't that like you don't need to find a niche because you are your niche, which I was like, ooh, that hit deep. Which is, again, quite, quite, it relates back to just that point I made, but that you are your own USP as well. And like that, like, I suppose, like, again, relating back to niche as well. Um, I don't know if I'm a hypocrite saying this now as well, but like, there is a niche for everything. Like, I was influenced literally last year. I think it was that, yeah, it was last year, like, with like book talk. Uh, yeah, book talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over. And I literally, yeah. like, everyone kept talking about the same books. I'm like, well, I have to go get these books. And like, even yeah. there at the end, like for the first time, which I'm like, I can't believe I've done it. I actually bought products from TikTok shop, which I'm like, this is brave of me. Like, I'm just like, I can't believe it. But again, like my four year page was just seeing, like I was seeing the same products and I was like, right, I need to try this. I need to try that. Mm. But like, obviously it's, it, it's incredible to think again, like, Thinking about like social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, TikTok when they started and how they weren't being monetized. And now it's like, again, it's very money driven like that as well. So with the, with, because I, I haven't really read into obviously the whole Facebook um or the whole meta, um that update thing. So are you, are you, a, is a creator allowed to pay for a blue tick? Is that what that verification is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're not already verified, so if, if by paying for verification, you will get extended reach, extra security measures. I think, you know, one good benefit is they are going to be doing more to stop duplicate accounts, which seems to be increasingly a thing. Um, that's I can't remember off the top of my head a lot of the other updates, but there is predominantly that it's just going to be increasing your reach. It's not something that you're going to have to do. It's just like seemingly with the Twitter verification, um, there is just paying a subscription for it. Is it expensive? Have they released a price on how much? Yeah, it's about 20, 20, 20 AUD, so about twelve or so US um US dollars. So which I it depends on depends on your your budget, I suppose, whether you think that's um value or not. Yeah. And what do you think about that in terms of like meta kind of announcing that in terms of like do you feel that that's a smart move on their behalf or do you like how do you feel from a creator's even um creator's perspective 
it's too early for me to say I'm for me personally I'm a little bit like I'm torn as to whether I want to do it and and that's because only until recently have I put that much effort into my Instagram as a marketing platform you know when you work in social media it's not that uncommon like for a long time my social media was just me having a laugh it was a photo album like I wasn't really that bothered about how many followers I had I used it so I could keep in touch with my friends back home I used it so I could meet friends here the stuff I'd share would be going to gigs it would be going to football matches it would be my cat it would be whatever so it's only really in the last like two to three weeks I've actually started using it professionally and because I didn't want to create a professional Instagram account for my business because I was like well, I'm just gonna have to start building it up all over again and exactly what you were saying before you are your niche you are your target audience and a lot of people that have been reaching out to me have been people that I knew from going to watch Ipswich Town you know when I would live back home or going to gigs and being creative so and that is possibly the thing that's going to set me apart from other social media marketers in this space as being like, yes, I'm an expert in social media. I'm also a guy that loves aggressively loud music, but also a lot of pop bands as well, you know, and like, I, and a lot of, you know, a lot of this industry down to personality as well. All of the jobs that I've had, there's usually been some sort of connection with either an old friend providing a recommendation. Very few of my roles have been, go onto LinkedIn or Seek and upload resume and go from there. There's usually a way in. So it's, it's such a relationship-driven industry. Mm. So in terms of that verification thing, too early for me to pass judgment. On one hand, I'm like, look, if if I have to play the game, I'm going to play the game. I guess, sorry, I've, we've gone off a bit of a tangent. Basically, like, I don't have thousands of thousands of Instagram followers because I haven't really been trying. I've just been using it to share life updates. Now I'm in that phase of, all right, now I need to start marketing my business, sharing my insights and advice for people. Maybe I'm going to need to start paying for it to reach more people. Um, but then I kind of feel like if you see someone with a blue tick and they don't have that many followers, I'm not saying I don't have many followers. I'm saying I don't have thousands upon thousands. I've still got a healthy following, but if you see that blue tick and you've not got, you know, 10,000 followers, people will be like, oh, okay. And it just seems like it's going to discredit you a little bit. It's still so raw for me. Ask me in a week's time and I might have a different opinion on it. <laughs> I'll get you back on the podcast in a week's time and then yeah. get your we'll do a whole podcast on it. Because like, like yeah. that, I guess, was like, as you said, it is very like early to tell because like, will it get to the stage where like everyone has a blue tick and I just feel like, because again, a blue tick yeah. you're seen as like, it's seen as a huge, as it was like monumental thing, particularly for a lot of content creators who may have had their platform for several years and who have like a substantial amount mm. of following now. It's kind of like, oh, well, everyone's going to get it. And I feel like it's going to get to a stage where like, it's not even as important or kind of yeah. as valuable as what you would kind of get instead of reckon or Instagram actually recognizing, John, you know we're going to give you this blue tick, you know? Yeah. Um, also from a, from a financial point of view, from like meta, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, it's a bit of an extra money thing as well. It does make sense, but I'm also like, it's it's losing its originality. And it's not it's losing its value really from a from a meaningful point of view as well. It's what I personally think. Just again, I haven't done my research like that now, but that's my view. Yeah, it opens up a whole other it opens up a whole other um discourse on I suppose mental health and valuing yourself and that sort of thing and like chasing validation on social media and 
I've been quite lucky in that I've always had a fairly healthy relationship with social media and that probably because I just regarded my social as like just something for my entertainment and my friends and I really was able to separate work and play on social media mm-hmm. um so I've always had a pretty good relationship with it in terms of not being addicted to my phone having fairly healthy not perfect but fairly healthy scrolling habits and so that kind of I you know one one potential option is to get rid of the whole blue tick and in general and just let people stop chasing fairly artificial validation but again that could be a whole other that could be a whole other podcast episode if it genuinely really could because as we were saying just off air like I did deactivate my Instagram nine days ago and again like it feels like I'm after like just after like giving up alcohol or something because I'm like that's how it feels because like like that when you say when you say about like you know the whole obviously the validation side of things and um when it comes to obviously again because when you're in marketing it's kind of like you have to obviously do you're in the business frame of mind looking at like analytics and you know being aware of trends and obviously keeping up keeping up to date with everything as well but then there's the personal side but when you're trying to use it as a social media user and it's trying mm. to actually identify that because it, like I'm delighted that you are able to identify like the barriers and you said like the healthy amount of scrolling time whereas for me I I wasn't able to do that and I have been able to go for the last few years and I had to deactivate my personal business whatever you want to call it because like again my my personal page is like 10,000 followers so I'm like is that really personal <laughs> I don't know but um but I I, think- I I recognize that I didn't have healthy barriers and hence why I deactivated it. Cause I recognize that I was spending way too much time on it. And I was like, again, maybe seeking that validation. I think that even just as, as from a marketing perspective as well, I think it's always so crucial to try and separate yourself from, mm-hmm. from, you know, I, I, is it subjective or objective? What I'm, what I'm saying is quite often when I've had, other you know clients or other marketers in this in this area that have let their personal opinions and personal preferences create a sense of bias so let's say I was doing a piece of campaign that I was trying to appeal to Gen Z Gen Z girls like I'm not that target market so Mm. I really have to remove what do I think is like interesting funny like that's not the point the point is like what is does it hit the brief of delivering what is required for that audience or or you know for you know it could be does this brief hit boomer boomer couples in rural australia or something like that like mm. you can see people are clouded by what they think is funny or what they think is interesting and it's like no you just need to make sure that like what we are delivering is on brand and on brief for that specific audience um and and that that involves an element of um you know thinking thinking outside of your own preference and also you know obviously sense checking with someone who is in that target market but um that is you know an another element to social media marketing where you really have to try and separate yourself from it all because sometimes i've met people that have been like oh, i don't they you know we've been doing a campaign for a young audience and it's been a certain type of sketch Mm-hmm. And they've seen the execution. They've been like, I don't really get it. And it's like, well, you're not meant to get it. That's the point. Like, because you're not the right audience. And I'm increasingly seeing a lot of things where I'm like, I don't get this at all. But I'm sure, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm sure the kids love it. That makes me sound so old. You know what I mean? Like, you have to you have to remove yourself a little bit from it. Yeah, which is something I don't do. Which is going to be very interesting now that I'm starting to kind of get into kind of freelance marketing to be actually again. 
not see myself as a target market because that's how I always have seen myself, particularly because of being a, like a content creator slash blogger. It's kind of like, okay, well, what do I, what would I like to see? And that's the question I've always asked. Whereas like now I'm going to be challenged in a different way by working with different businesses from not from my industry and learning that way as well. So yes, yeah, definitely yeah. very interesting. Um, it's definitely a very like obvious point, but yet I'm like, why haven't I been thinking like this for the last few years? I'm always thinking about what I want to see. And again, it's trying to like, again, step away from that as well. So I will be taking that um observation going forward. Um, yeah. But Alice, we've talked about so much as well. And I feel like we could probably have to do another two, three episodes to kind of like get out yeah. what we need to say. So I feel like we're going to have to like do definitely do another episode again soon. But just to kind yeah. of wrap up as well, because something that... Again, actually, something I would definitely like to talk about as well, maybe again, in, maybe in a future episode, um, is obviously, like, again, when you talk about, like, what marketing looked like back, you know, 10, 15 years ago versus obviously now you've obviously come through such a massive, like, from a generational point of view as well. I like, think about, like, where the Gen Z, if you will, are com- like coming into marketing now and how social media has changed from when we started out as well. So I suppose for anyone that is interested in, getting into this crazy world of marketing in general not even just social media but just in marketing and that creative world like what advice would you give to them as well someone maybe who is maybe changing career they could be at any age or someone even just kind of like finishing uni i would say any time i've ever um been meeting candidates or chatting to um when I say junior talent, I'm not necessarily saying young, but, you know, new to this industry. I always say attitude over ability. The end of the day, like, if I've ever met candidates and I've seen that they're proactively doing something in some way, shape or form, that could be taking photos for their local cafe um, for social media assets outside of their day job, whatever it is, something like that, I think that's just really, really going to hold you in good stead as opposed to, say, just just doing your job or just showing up and doing your degree. You know, what got me started wasn't necessarily the fact that I had a degree. It's the fact that I did a radio show and I was promoting gigs whilst I was up in university. And my employer, I remember vividly being in the pub with him and he was just like, that's, that's what impressed us, the fact that you were so proactive outside of your work. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was a completely different industry. So I would say... You can like you can learn Facebook business manager. You can learn how to do paid ads and TikTok. That stuff is all stuff that can be learned. What you can't learn or what makes you your biggest asset is your attitude. It's your personality. It's being proactive. If um, you're in a situation where there is a roadblock because a client is stalling on feedback, don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs waiting for them to get back to you. Help proactively solve a solution for them. That's the advice I'd say. Be proactive. It doesn't mean you have to be an influencer. It mm-hmm. just means do something that's proactive that shows an interest in this industry, um, or at least in a industry that could be connected to social media. So again, I don't know what that could be. It could be sport. It could be fashion. It could be whatever. It could be right. You know, contributing to a local newspaper. Just be proactive and show that you're. Um, take an extra initiative because it is an industry that needs that element of proactivity you know social media never sleeps in that regard so you've got to be someone that's be prepared to um grab the ball by the horns and um i'm just gonna throw loads of cliches in grab the ball by the horns and think outside the box and add value but no i, I think there really is just this thing of 
lots of people want to be in this space. So what's going to matter most to people that want to hire you is just showing that you're a trusted pair of hands that's going to be excited and enthusiastic to be working in this space because it's a it's a great industry to be in. Um, you'll do some incredible work. You'll work with some incredible people. So it can be hard work, but it is fundamentally a career that I've been very grateful to have and would feel very privileged to have had. I love that. And I, th- I know I agree with everything you say. You can learn all the skill or l- learn all the different tools. But again, it comes down to like the person themselves, you know, in terms of like their capabilities, in terms of communication and um, all that kind of jazz. So I do, I do agree with everything that you've said. So like, Alex, you've provided so much value in this episode um i will of course include all your links um in the show notes as well but for anyone that might be interested in following you or learning more about you um, where are the best kind of platforms to reach you on even though you're obviously on everything <laughs> <laughs> well yeah no so my um my handle for all of the public facing i think it's only really i think it's only really link well linkedin alex mills which is not a particularly uncommon name so um hopefully hopefully you'll just see this big tattooed bold dude staring at you and then you'll know that um <laughs> alex mills alex mills social is my instagram and my tiktok i haven't quite got to youtube yet um one thing that i do always advise businesses is don't try and do all of the platforms if you don't have the resource or the capacity to do it better mm-hmm. off just picking a few and doing that really well rather than getting on absolutely everything no one's going to discredit you if you're not on be real or if you're not on pinterest like what they will do is discredit you if you are doing it badly so um so yeah just that but what i offer what i offer is a mixture of you know at the moment i'm freelancing um within agencies but I also offer my own consulting for small businesses with social media strategy. So if you're a business that has social media, but doesn't really have systems or processes because you're too busy running your own business, that's where I can help you. I run workshops where we go over a value proposition for your social media and how you can go. And it ends up being this really, really helpful manual where we've got content pillars, we've got channel plans, and it's a collaborative exercise. I also help with video production, um, whether that's produce batch producing reels for you, or whether that's like larger branded videos, as well as end-to-end influencer campaign management. So yeah, um, any of those, Alex Mills Social, just search that and you'll probably be able to find it. Yeah, no, I'll include all the links in the show notes as well. But um, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow and leave a review on Spotify. Or if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe. And again, any reviews obviously means so much as well. And please feel free to share this episode on any of the social platforms. Again, you can tag me. You you guys all, all know my social media tags by now as well. So make sure that you do um spread the word. So obviously this does help the growth of this beautiful podcast. But Alex, again, thank you so much for the insane amount of value. And guys, I will see you all in the next episode.